So today we get to continue on our service, our sermon series that we are encountering for Lent, a Jesus-shaped life. And so just to recap really quick, week one, we went back and we talked about that we are made for God and by God to be holy, and holiness is becoming like Jesus. Then we jumped into week two where we talked about obedience and to be obedient to God like Jesus and to say no to the temptations and the sins in our life to help us follow God more fully in our obedience to him. And then in week three, it was all about love, to love and to forgive others and our relationships, then make our relationships more like Jesus and how we act and interact and how we love one another. And then last week, we talked about the courage to stand out. So we talked about how we have to stand out as a Jesus follower. We have to say no to things, to say yes to God and how we live and how we walk and how we act. Because we are following after Jesus' example And this week, we are going to be shaped to a life of justice and to defend and lovingly serve the vulnerable with both our good works and the word and the life of Jesus Christ. So we are embarking on each and every week being shaped by Jesus, being shaped according to Jesus' life. And I'll be honest with you, this is not our pulling up our bootstraps and saying we can do this, but this is allowing the Holy Spirit to come and to work within us, to shape us, to form us into who he has created us to be. The concept, to, and ugh, the concept and the call to follow Jesus and to seek justice are inescapable. We do justice when we give all human beings their due as creators and creations of God. Doing justice includes not only the righting of wrongs, but caring deeply for the well-being and the concerns of other people, especially the poor and the vulnerable. This kind of life, when we live a life with justice, reflects the character of God. In the 1960s, there was a church that was planted across the street from a federal housing development. And that church's mission was to reach the people living there. And as time passed, the church not only forgot their mission Um, They forgot why they were planted there, and they began to have um, angst against the people who lived across the street from them. And as you heard today, there's pastoral changes, and with this church, there was a pastoral change. A new pastor came along, and that new pastor said, well, why was this church planted here? What was the church's mission? What was the idea behind putting this church here? And that pastor learned that the mission was to reach the people 
and share Jesus with those people living in that housing development. So that new pastor, being bold, said, let's go on a prayer walk in the neighborhood. So he organized a prayer walk, and they went to the neighborhood, and they began to pray and to walk and to interact with the people of the neighborhood. And then along, Rachel was one of those people in that church. She was a local school substitute teacher, and she was participating in this prayer walk. And she asked herself, why? Why are we walking around this unsafe neighborhood? This neighborhood that's filled with drugs and poverty and depression and and all kinds of things that made her feel unsafe. And then one of her little students came up, Alex. One of the neighborhood kids came up on his bicycle and he yelled, Hey, Miss Rachel, how are you? Rachel was stunned. And she replied to Alex, hey, how are you? What are you doing, Miss Rachel? He said, we are prayer walking in your neighborhood, praying for your neighborhood. How could we pray for you? And Alex replied, you can pray for my bicycle. It keeps getting stolen. That day, Rachel was transformed in thought. Because she could put a name on the vulnerable in, her, in that neighborhood now. She could put a name of Alex to the little kid that she had been a substitute teacher for, that she had loved and cared for in a classroom that was living in this situation. Rachel stepped out of her comfort zone and became vulnerable to a population maybe she wasn't familiar with. But she knew why she was there and why Jesus had called her there. And that was to love all people. In the Old Testament, we see over and over and over again lots of vulnerable people. We hear of the widows and the orphans, the immigrants and the poor. These groups of people were just like you and I. And then we hear more in the New Testament The world has no social power, no connection to worship in the temple. We read over and over that God is not only concerned, but also defended those whom were a part of the lowest economic and social system around. Jesus and God were concerned with those people, just as we should be concerned with all people. This was revolutionary in the ancient world. Virtually in all ancient cultures of the world, the power of the gods was channeled through the identity of the elites in the society. The priests, the kings, and the military captains, all of that. But God called us all to channel the power of him through each and every one of us so that we could be love to all people, so that we could meet the needs of all people, so that we could change others' situations. Jesus comes along as the Son of God, the very image of the 
invisible God, and he shows us the way. He shows us the way when he is with the disciples walking through the grain fields on a Sabbath day. There were hungry people. They were there gleaning food off of the already harvested fields because they were hungry. Jesus shows us the way by sharing what he has. Jesus shows you and I how to love others more deeply. This brings us to our scripture of the day, Matthew 12, 9 through 21. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogues. A man with a shiveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Then he said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through victory. In his name, the nation will put their hope. He will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will bring justice to victory. Jesus is powerful in both word and deed. As he reaches out to the needy and to the rejected and to the sinners, he spent time with the outcast. He spent time with those who were ostracized by society. He spent time with the socially awkward. When we look at the word justice, justice has two sides to the coin, right and fair judgment and also doing the right thing. Justice says if sin leads to death, a right and fair judgment should be passed. God is just. Mercy said God wants to forgive. So we know God is merciful. And then we have grace. Grace says your forgiveness will come at the price of God's own son, Jesus Christ. Not at the cost of your life. You and I can be forgiven and saved completely from having a hard heart because grace will come in 
and will transform us and give us a new heart and a renewed mind and a new spirit because Jesus will shape our life. We receive salvation by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. So a couple weeks ago, we asked you a question, have you asked Jesus to save you? In the early church, continued this trajectory of justice, mercy, grace, and action, seeking to bring heaven's reality to earth. With thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There was a guy named Dr. Larry Hurtado who wrote about the early church and how this tiny group of early Jesus followers became a huge movement which overcame paganism and the Roman Empire. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and there was no community around them in the entire world like this at the time. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they had five highlights of distinctive features um, that stood out around their society in this time. And here they were. It was a multinational and multi-ethnic group. They cared deeply for the poor, and they asked the wealthy to share with the poor and to take care of the poor. They stood against infanticide and abortion. They held that marriage was sacred between a man and a woman, and it was and they held that nonviolent activating pacifism both personally and nationally. These were five characteristics of this group that was empowered by the Holy Spirit and making a way for Jesus in their time. If you fast forward to today, the first two would be considered political liberalism, liberal positions. I can't speak today, sorry. As they dealt with race and class. The second two would be considered politically conservative positions on things. And the last one doesn't fall into either category. Let's think about this, though. Do any of those categories matter? The category that matters for us today is the category of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God here on earth and how God is shaping mine and your life so that we can live according to his way, live according to his life, so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into the world and to share his good news. So I'm going to ask you a question. Instead of thinking about the different labels that things get, let's think about the kingdom of God and our position on when we face different things. I'm going to ask you two questions And these are what I think we should all ask ourselves when we're faced with challenging situations. How can I express the love of Jesus in this situation? And what is the most loving response to those who are different than me that I can share? I'm going to be honest with you. If we ask those questions, we are going to be living a life that is followed 
following Jesus. We are going to show that we are being shaped by Jesus. When we put action behind our belief, not as a provider of goods and of services, but as a divine vessel, because we love Jesus, then we are acknowledging that our love for Jesus and we are sharing that love with Jesus of Jesus for other people. We are showing that we love Jesus more fully. The Holy Spirit leads us in a loving response, and they may not always immediately and apparently in every situation know that, but the Holy Spirit will guide and direct us if we seek the ways of Jesus and if we follow the guiding of the Spirit and the whispers of the Spirit in our life. To be shaped by Jesus and loving other people, to do the right thing and to show justice we should follow the God of the Holy Spirit, not the God of anyone else or anything else. In the 1700s in England, there was a conditions were very brutal, and there were people living and working in harsh conditions. That is where Methodism was birthed, in this environment, and where part of the Sunday school movement began to happen which provided education for the poor and the working class of the day. They learned to read by reading what? The Bible. They learned to read by reading the Bible. These early Methodists knew what it meant to live a Jesus-shaped life. They knew what it meant to love on their community and to love on those around them. And they did that by sharing food. They did that by sharing clothes. They did that by visiting those who were hungry and those who were sick and those who were imprisoned. Even Methodism at one point helped by creating hospitals to care for those who were really sick. Loving Jesus is not hard. And sharing that love for Jesus is not hard when we follow the God of the Holy Spirit. Looking at Jesus' justice is achieved when you and I come along one another to ensure mutual welfare and well-being that is not necessarily a place of comfort for the comfortable. It requires you and I to enter into another's suffering. Did y'all catch that? Because it's not always easy. It requires you and I to enter into another's suffering. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 25 to recognize the value of the vulnerable, to treat them as though they were he, treat them as if they were Jesus. Caring for the vulnerable is a sign that the love of God is within us and our hearts are transformed to love others. Jesus models this for us. While we were yet sinners, vulnerable to temptation, vulnerable to brokenness and evils of all kind, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and I to prove his love for us. Now we get to share that love with others by doing justice acts in our community. 
to make a difference, to care for those in need. As a member of Murray County, First United Methodist Church in Murray County, our congregation is stepping in in many ways to show justice in our community. Each week, the people's table feeds over 300 meals to those who don't have food. Our wheelchair ramp team, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't keep up with the work they're doing. Over the last three to five weeks, they have built a ramp a week, and there is a waiting list. Many of these individuals cannot get out of their home to go to a doctor's appointment because they can't physically do it. They have to call 911 to come get them in and out of their home. You have a team of people that is loving and stepping in for them. We have recently partnered with Riverside Elementary School to provide mentors and testing proctors to help those who might be a little bit behind have one-on-one tutoring. Jetpacks, as the kids talked about today, jetpacks are being packed all the time and we are sharing food with over 100 kids a week. The Tree of Stars, we did 92 this past year. Our generational mission trip is going to step in and provide love for those who have been affected by a tornado that may have abilities to rebuild that may not, but they need love. This congregation is stepping in and loving our community and beyond in a big way. But I'm going to be honest, we're doing a lot, but there's more that we can do. There's always more that we can do. So I'm going to ask that you really pray about what is it that God is calling you to do as an act of justice, to love all of his creation and to let your light shine so that they may see your good works and not see you, but see our Father. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks and praise, God, for the love in which you have for us, the way in which you share that love with us so that we can share it with other people. God, we in this room know how blessed we are. God, but help us to take those blessings. God, to be your hands and your feet, to be willing to step in to those vulnerable places to be your light, and to be your love. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. As we come to the table today, we are reminded of the light and the love that that Jesus has given us. And so as we come to the table, we remember that this is the body of Christ, broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ, shed for you because he loves us. It's his act of love for us. So let's pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit, God, on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine that we may, that make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. God, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. 
until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, God, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.